do, do, do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 572. Uh, what happened in May of 1972? I was born. And what else happened in May of 72, sweetie? Well, I don't know if it happened in May, but in 1972, Joe Biden was elected to Senate for the first time. Yes. And uh, Joe Biden had a good weekend. <laughs> and we watched some stuff on Saturday. We sure did. On Saturday, we watched some stuff from like... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Um, on today's show, can you give us uh, a snippet? Snippets. Yeah. Snippets. Do you remember, do you remember that? I do. I remember Do you remember snippets? snippets? Okay. Anyway, today we are going to talk about standing on solid ground. Oh. I, I couldn't decide if we should call it rebuilding a foundation, having a foundation, or standing on solid ground, but there's something that I like about solid ground. Um, but first, Sweetie does these Zen parenting moments. Zen parenting moment. Yep. I know, but if there's multiple, I have True. to say moments. True, you're right. And she does three a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It might go back to two times a week, but for now it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, we pick one to for me to read. And this one I'm reading is, because we're recording on Monday, is called Small Acts. Yeah, and it's from today, actually. It's from today. Because we're recording on Monday. But first, so the first quote is, the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? That's from John Keating from Dead Poet Society. So listen up. The quote from Whitman. Oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O oh me, O oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Will your verse be? There we go. So I'm going to read this. It's short and sweet. This is Kathy's words on Zen Parenting Moment. On the most difficult days, a small act of kindness can bring some light to the dark. When we wake up to bad news or we're anxious about work, knowing that there is something we can do to shift our thoughts, even for a moment, can help us get out of bed. If we grab a coffee, we can tip the barista an extra dollar. If we find a spider in the house, we can catch him or her. You put him, sweetie. Yeah, catch catch they. Catch they and gently release them outside. You do that quite often, don't you, sweetie? I do. I catch, catch spiders, spiders and put them outside. If we find some trash while walking, we can put it in the garbage. If there is someone who is always kind or considerate, we can send them a quick text to say thanks or I love you. Small acts are the belief that we have some control over how we see ourselves and the world. A decision to act in a way we hope others will act, to be the person who we would want, who we would most want to spend time with. When we choose to act in loving ways on the most difficult days, it gives us a sense of power. We can't control the world, but we can choose our choices. When we are searching for something good, we can remember we have the power to create good. We can be what we want to see. You can choose your choices. You can choose your choices. I love that sentence. That's one of my favorite sentences. Uh, um, what was your inspiration for this? It seems like a very simple yet powerful message. I, you know, uh, again, like many of these, I, I wrote it a while back, and I just, it's you know, it's very, um, 
basic, kind of like what I call the ABCs of self-awareness, which, you know, that, like I said, I love the sentence, you can choose your choices, um, that we, you know, you can't always choose what's going to be going on in the world. You can't always choose what the weather's going to be. You can't choose maybe what someone else is going to say or do, but you can choose your choices. Mm. And so if you, you know, it's interesting because I read the first paragraph and I'm like, that's not how I feel today. Mm. I actually feel very like the world, there's some sun out, like, not only did I feel very good, feel very good about this election, um, I also, it's 70 degrees in Chicago today. In November. Um, we just got, it sounds like there's really good news about a vaccine from Pfizer that's 90% effective. Um, and, and I know people are like, oh, but it's not that I understand. But we're that's move, we're good moving information. in the right direction. Yeah, right. good information. And um, so I, but... On not every day feels this light, and um, <laughs> and I wouldn't even say it feels light. It's just lighter mm-hmm. than we've been historically in the last uh, year or two or four or five. Um, and so, basically, when we have that day where we wake up and we and it feels heavy, or we know we have more to do, or the work continues, we can decide how we are going to interact with that day. And we can do little things, again, that's why I call it small acts, that can then create a ripple effect, not only in us, but in other people. So it's just a really basic reminder. We just forget. We kind of like take our negativity and go out in the world and just spew it on people. And what if we did the opposite? What's your subtitle for either, I, I think for the Zen Parenting moment, what we... What we know. what we know, but tend to forget. And this is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we know we know this already. This, it, but we we get really um, what's the word? We get really caught up in I'm feeling pain, so everybody's going to experience it from me. You mm-hmm. know, we do that to our partner, we do that to our kids, we do that to the world, we do that to the person, uh, you know, behind the counter, the waiter, the waitress, and we just decide that we're in a bad mood. So they're going to, everybody else is going to catch it. Yeah. That's the lens that we see the world through. Cause that's what's inside of us in that moment. Right. And what if we chose our choices instead? What if we said, yeah, you know, well, especially if we're having a good day, share yeah. that with everybody. Like I'm feeling, I'm texting up a storm today. I'm like, hello everybody. <laughs> you know, like I'm feeling good. Um, but even when our days are not great, we can make choices that actually end up making us feel better. Mm. So um, just a small reminder. All right. So where are we going today? So let's talk about standing on solid ground and what that means, because I've had so many good conversations in the last week, not only with my own children and you, but just with friends and acquaintances. I've read so many things this week. and, And one of the things that my daughter said the other day when we were driving home, we went to Michigan last week. We we basically ran away when the from the election. Um, I know there's nowhere to run really, but I just felt like I really wanted to be somewhere different space, different space. Um, had still had a lot of 2016 PTSD, and I just really wanted to be somewhere that I felt different. Mm. And um, so, you know, when we were driving back from Michigan on Friday. One of my daughters, we we were talking about things looked good. We didn't have a, we didn't have the final tally yet, but um, things were looking good. And she said, I just so look forward to having kind of a different, you know, foundation because she and I were both agreeing that we're still going to be activists. You know, it's not like because the election is won, there's nothing else to do. There's still a lot to speak up about. We've still got a big race in Georgia um, that I think everybody can, you know, play a role in somehow. We've still got a lot to do um, as far as race relations, systemic just or, you know systemic racism, and 
women's rights and I could go on and on, right? And she's like, but instead of feeling like we're screaming into an ocean where nothing's happening, and my example was where I feel like I'm just like at a march or a protest or doing a talk and I'm just in quicksand, like Mm -hmm. I'm trying to save myself while I'm trying to help others, we now feel like we're on solid ground. And, and solid ground is like, okay, from this place, I think I can do even better work. Mm-hmm. I think I can speak up even more. Like, this is not the time to say we're done. It's the time to say, okay, we've got some, some a base, yeah. you know, and the base is having a leader and a co-leader, you know, uh, a president and a vice president who stand for... If, if not if not anything else, normalcy, decency, civility, a desire for unity, a desire to be a, a president and vice president for all people, regardless of who was voted for. And that feels like, okay, I can do great work from this place. Well, I feel it like before we go on to the foundational part, I, I kind of just want to like pick apart the idea of the helplessness feeling in our lives for whatever reason. Right. And the idea of screaming at the ocean is such an interesting one to me because it is an interesting idea of if you've, I've screamed screamed at the ocean, I've screamed at Lake Michigan and I've done it actually as a vehicle just to get some stuff out. Mm -hmm. But there is like this helplessness that goes on with the idea of screaming at something so big, like everything you're doing. And what I've said, I even said that to guys when I'm coaching, I'm like, Go to the lake and just scream at it. It can handle whatever you give to it. But this is something different. There's a helplessness because you are giving all of your might to screaming at this loud ocean and you just feel like not, it's not making imp- any impact because of the vastness right. of the ocean. So I, I just want to like pause and just, you know, maybe just think about what that feeling feels like when for whatever reason, whatever is going on in our lives, maybe it's the election, maybe it's something else, when we feel so powerless and how we manage that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a question for you in this moment, but I just kind of feel like before we get to the the good part of like, mm-hmm. now now I can scream from the ocean or, you know, scream, you know, just turn around and, mm-hmm. and make an impact. I'm just more like, yeah, it's just settling into that feeling of helplessness and powerlessness is so uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, I remember the first time I really felt it um, where it was, you know, such a pit in my stomach was at the Women's March four years ago. Uh, you know, obviously we went, by all of us, we went down to Chicago to march for the Women's March. And I remember feeling like, gosh, there's so many people here. And there were so many people at DC and it was such a movement. And, you know, we did it and it felt so good. And it did make an impact in a bigger picture, meaning like it was a piece of a puzzle that sure. we had to put together. But the truth is you go home and then it's over and the same person's still president. Mm. And I felt like that was the first time I was like, oh, this was a big deal. And it kind of, it didn't fall flat by any means, but it didn't really You're still in the quicksand. Right. I'm still in the quicksand. And I remember a bunch of people texting me and saying, why are you, what are you, you know, this person hasn't really even taken office yet. Like, what are you marching against? And it was the awareness of we knew what was coming and that we had a, we knew what this person was capable of and not capable of just because of the history and character of this individual. And we we were able to unfortunately see this play out over four years. But there was, you know, it's that Maya Angelou quote that we talk about all the time. You know, when someone tells you who they are, the first time, believe them. You know, this idea that 
were like, no, no, let's let this person with no character and and no sense of, you know, right and wrong and who has hurt a lot of people and who, you know, who has been saying things to us on our TV screen, this is who I am. And we're like, no, no, it, let's see what he can do. Like, it, it was crazy making to me. But I also feel like, you know, now in hindsight, all those things are pieces. They're they're pieces of a bigger picture. They're nothing goes from zero to sixty, or something. Some things do, like cars. And but what I mean is, like in life, most of the time things are incremental. Yeah. Like you don't wake up one day with a good idea and then have a success at the end of the day. Right. Like you know, you wake up with a good idea and you have to do little things over time. And so it can feel like screaming in the ocean. Um, like JC said, which I think was a good analogy, but sometimes you scream into the ocean and a lifeboat goes by, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, wait a second, that person heard me. You know, it's like Tom Hanks laying out on him. Were you thinking the same thing? Yes. Like Tom Hanks laying out on that, you know, his slab. His his made up raft. Yeah. After losing Wilson. Wilson. He lost Wilson. And then all of a sudden the ship goes by and you weren't expecting it and you felt like it was over and it's not. And, you know, I remember right after the election, Todd and I did a show called Um, the grass grows through. And it was our way of saying that right now we feel like we have a huge slab of concrete over us and a lot of obstacles were put in the way. But truth and, and love and justice, they grow through. I want him to say Wilson, but he's just crying. I think I went too far ahead. So that's the scene of the raft after he loses Wilson. Oh. I want to I want to hear him say Wilson though. Maybe it's over here. Such great music. I know. Wilson. Wilson! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wilson. No, Wilson. It, it makes me cry every time. It's the strings. Like, oh, I don't know what instrument that is. So it reminds beautiful. me of Lost, the finale of Lost. Oh, yeah. And it's such a mood setter. And it's funny, when I watched this movie, and now we're talking about Castaway, I, I, I understood he was sad from my head, but I did not understand what Wilson truly represented until I saw the movie a few more times. And what, is that, what does that mean to you? It was everything. It was, it was everything. his companion. It was his existence. He, who is he without Wilson? And, you know, when I first watched him, I'm like, all right, soccer ball's, or the volleyball's gone. Big deal. Like, I wasn't that crass about it. But, um, yeah. Well, it's also the release of, I don't know if I can do this. Yes. He'd been carrying for four years. We're going to do this and we're going to get over the wave and Wilson, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this together. And then he got over the wave and he lost Wilson. And now it's like, I I felt like he was apologizing to Kelly Mm -hmm. for leaving. I think he was apologizing for Mm. the people that he didn't show up for. He was apologizing to himself for maybe letting go. Like it was like a cathartic, he hadn't, we hadn't seen him do that since he got on the island. Yeah. He hadn't been able to talk about, we did a show a couple weeks ago about stress and stressors and how our body needs to relieve our stressors. He, he had a few yes, he did. in his body and that was what was needed. And you know what, on that note um, of Castaway and Wilson, you know, we're relating this to the election, but for those of you who, you know, obviously if you, if you are feeling good about the election, um, 
I'm saying that that way because I was reading articles today about, you know, the count, the final count and how there are 71 million people who maybe vote, who voted for someone else. Now, I think in that 71 million, there are people who are maybe, maybe they voted for the other guy, but they're okay with Biden being president. Mm -hmm. I think it's got a a little bit of a different feel. Yeah, it's not one or the other. There's a whole spectrum of differences. Someone may say, well, I just vote Republican. Yeah, but I trust Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Like I I do believe, I think that's very different than last time where it was a little more of a severe shift where I think this was, and, and I could be wrong, but there still are millions of people who maybe are not happy with this outcome. And I get that. But for you know, for those of you that are, um, and you're feeling a sense of relief, um, know that we have taken a lot of hits for four years. And sometimes we talked about last week about sometimes I even forget some of the most significant hits we have taken where I've been like, oh yeah, you know, the Muslim ban and then, you know, Brett Kavanaugh and then, you know, Flynn and then the Mueller report and the, and I'm like oh my god like I can't breathe and we've been taking those hits one after another after another so the release of these stressors it, with the awareness we're still in the middle of covid yeah we have not changed administrations yet we still have things to come we're still struggling with things in education and our kids not in school so those things remain plus it's going to take a while to unwind all these things like I have been not necessarily by choice, having to go to bed at like nine o'clock for the past three nights. I'm exhausted. And I don't I don't need anyone to feel sorry for me or anything. I just am realizing how tired my body is. Yeah, I think your our bodies have all regardless of who you what side of the aisle you reside on, I think that we've all stored certain things in our body yeah. for the last four years and those things need to come out. Yes. And they come out and it's not like, okay, the election's over, I had a celebration or I had a good cry. Okay, good, I'm done. It, that's not the way it works. Like this is going to be just like things build up. Things need to incrementally release. And, um, you know, we can't all be, you know, in a movie like Tom Hanks having his first cry about Wilson. Like that's a, you know, or Todd always loves, you know, Goodwill hunting hunting where, you know, there's one cathartic moment. That's not really how human beings release. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is truly a release, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's over. Just like we think we – because – that's how we believe grief is, is that grief is like, I have one good cry and then I can go back to work the next day. You know, for me, uh, I, it's not. I have this image of a river and the river going downstream is kind of your energy of life. And we put these blocks or these boulders or these rocks in the river to block our energy. And some people might say, well, the boulders are baggage from our parents or trauma that happened to us or whatever. And there's some really big boulders and there's really some small ones, but they're all of them are disrupting the flow of the river. So like the Goodwill hunting thing, I think Matt Damon's character removed a big boulder. A big boulder. Doesn't mean all the boulders are gone. And then, but to your point, I think it's more accessible for us to remove the smaller rocks than wait for this big rock to be removed from the river. Well, it's a little bit of both that even the big rock, things are getting through a big hole now, but there's all these other spaces it's not. So that's a good analogy of like sometimes it's pebbles Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's bigger rocks. And then sometimes you remove a huge boulder, Mm -hmm. but there's still a lot backed up in other areas. So it's like the... I guess the goal is, regardless of how you see this, is that, that be gentle with yourself that if you... Like, you know, one of my daughters and had gone through something pretty significant about a month ago. And so she was having, um, you know, dealing with grief 
a pretty significant grief and trauma. And, you know, I said to her, don't be surprised if in two weeks all of a sudden this comes up again. And don't be surprised if you're exhausted and your body is working through this in ways that you don't understand. And that you feel like one thing last week that was weird for me in the midst of everything is I was starving and I couldn't get full. Mm. And I kept like really figuring out, you know, because sometimes I couldn't eat because I was so nervous last week about results. And then I would go to eat and I just couldn't get full. And that to me was interesting. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take it. I couldn't feel it, it was never done for me. Well, I experience that same thing sometimes now with you, but some of that, and I'm kind of making light of it is because I'm a pescatarian, you're a vegetarian. If we had a steak or a burger, <laughs> it'd be, but that's the one kind of crappy side effect of being a pescatarian or vegetarian is it's hard to, it's harder to get full. It's, I mean, you can, you can't, I think for you, I think that I, I, it's almost been like 20 years for me. So I, I don't feel that way all the time. I can get pretty darn full on a burrito. Yeah. How about all the rice I put in my burrito? So by the way, this is Kathy's burrito (laughs) order at Chipotle. It's the worst. It's the worst (laughs) order ever. White rice. Extra. Black beans. Uh Cheese. Uh Uh-huh. What am I missing? Lettuce. Lettuce. And then I get um, the salsa on, on the, the side, side yeah. because I don't like all the like the crunchy things in the salsa. And then I also get their, oh, this is like a little tip. I get their salad dressing, mm-hmm. meaning Chipotle salad dressing. And then I put that on the top or like dip in that. And that's my burrito. It's pretty darn good. It reminds me of this. Oh, guacamole. What can I get you? I'll have a number three. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. Sweetie, you're not as bad as Sally. Close. I don't think there's any order. My girls sometimes clap for me if I just order something without any special instructions. How, out of 10 <laughs> orders, how many times does that happen? One out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. There's always special instructions. And not special instructions like being annoying to the wait staff, I don't think. It's usually just one or two things. Like like I, you know, I said with the burrito, I forgot that I have guacamole, but I put it on the side. Yes. Because you can't. On the side is a very big thing for you. It's a very big thing for me. Um, <laughs> and I, it's just better that way. So um, I like it the way I like it. I know. High maintenance. That's actually what he says. I'm not saying you're high maintenance. I know. Well, with food, it's it's if you don't have like being a uh, – I don't even know if I'm a picky eater. I just know what I want to eat. Could I eat the burrito with the with the guacamole on it? Sure. But then I'd have to like squeeze it off and like, you know, spoon it off. And why not just get it the way you want it so you can enjoy your meal? And the point is – is when I eat that burrito, Todd, mm-hmm. I am full, so I don't need meat to be full. But last week during the election, while we were in You're Michigan, a bottomless pit. I just couldn't get full. One night we um, we got dinner, because obviously everything was closed down, restaurants and stuff, but we got some dinner. And then at like 10 o'clock, I'm like, I got to like cook a pizza or something. I was like empty. And I think that it was just, I felt empty and afraid. So let me, I'm going to play one more clip. I do not think you're high maintenance, but I just think that this is funny because this is the high maintenance part in When Harry Met Sally. Okay. Oh, Ingrid Bergman. Now she's low maintenance. Low maintenance? There are two kinds of women. 
high maintenance and low maintenance. And Ingrid Bergman is low maintenance? And LM, definitely. Which one am I? You're the worst kind. You're high maintenance, but you think you're low maintenance. I don't see that. You don't see that? Waiter, I'll begin with a house salad, but I don't want the regular dressing. I'll have the balsamic vinegar and oil, but on the side. And then the salmon with the mustard sauce, but I want the mustard sauce on the side. On the side is a very big thing for you. Well, I just want it the way I want it. I know. High maintenance. There we go. I said like it the way I like it, and Sally says want it the way I want it. What's the difference? There is no difference. Okay. Um, and I think that... Um, as a, a woman standing in her foundation, I would say if you would like to call that high maintenance and not just you, Todd, but mm. anybody go ahead, but then you go ahead and just enjoy things you don't really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I prefer to say, this is who I am. This is what I like. And I see no problem in that. Now there's a lesson in there. Stand in your power and ask for what you want. And here's the thing. When, if someone in wait staff says we can't do that, I'm like, I'm like, that's fine. Sometimes they say you have to pay more for that. That's fine. Like the thing is, is I don't have a problem. I don't feel entitled to anything. Mm. What I feel is the right to ask. Making a request. And oftentimes they'll say, oh, we can't take the green pepper out because it's already in the mix. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Just leave it in. Or, you know, sorry, guacamole is 50 cents extra. Fine. That's fine. I don't, I, I will pay for what makes the job more difficult for people because I understand that is an exchange of energy. Mm -hmm. So entitlement is, I think I deserve this just because I am who I am and you work harder to give to me. And I think like, you know, standing in your power, just being who you are is asking for what you want with the expectation that you may have to, um, you know, give more or take more to make that happen. So we're going to get back of standing <laughs> on solid ground okay. in a second. Okay. Uh, Team Zen. Yes. All right. So we have this thing called Team Zen that most of you know about. It's a subscription, um, 30 bucks a month. Is that what it is? No, 25? Honey, it's $25. $25 a bucks a month. But um, we have two new two guests coming up. So Team Zen is our virtual community where we come together like once every two weeks now. Yeah. And we talk about what's going on. People ask questions. We offer meditation. We offer, um, you know, support and People on Team Zen offer support to each other. And the coolest thing is we bring in like best-selling authors to talk to the group. So Alexandra Solomon, Dr. Solomon, who we had on the show about a month ago, she's going to come and talk to Team Zen. So if you know her books, Loving Bravely or Taking Sexy Back or any of her information, follow her on Instagram if you don't because she has an amazing page where she gives a lot of great information. Um, but anything about connection, couplehood, marriage, sex, like join Team Zen and ask her a question personally. Um, that's why we do this. And then when is Rosalind coming, Todd? Um, we just confirmed with Rosalind uh, Wiseman, author of Queen Bees and Wannabes and Masterminds and Wingmen on Tuesday, December 15th. Awesome. So December 15th, um, Rosalind Wiseman is going to come and she's going to talk about her organization, Cultures of Dignity, also how to talk to teenagers, how to feel, understand teenagers, be supportive of them, how to speak up in your community. Like she does a lot of different things, but that's two pretty amazing women. And in between, and Kathy and I will be on all of them, obviously. Yeah. And in between those sessions, Kathy and I will be with you guys yeah. on the Zen Talks without the experts. So sometimes it's outside experts, sometimes it's Kathy and I. So uh, if you're interested, go to zenparentingradio.com. Zero pressure, 100% support. 100% support. All right. So let's get back on solid ground. Okay. Because um, I keep song? taking you down this these tangents. Sorry about that. That's, oh, it's okay. I don't mind going everywhere else. Um, so one thing that I, you know, 
on Sunday morning, I woke up and started this, you know, soliloquy with Todd while I was still lying in bed. Because what I realized through this experience of the last four years or four and a half years, because I think I've said this before on the show, but I was exhausted before Trump won. Mm -hmm. Like I was exhausted from the, the lack of civility and decency and how things were changing and how people were okay with these norms being broken. I was exhausted before the 2016 election. So once the 2016 election you know, once we got the results and then we had to go through the last four years. I, and I know I'm not alone. We were all like, wow. And I don't mean exhausted, like give up. I mean, like overwhelmed yeah. by it. Like I knew that I was going to stand up, but I didn't know how that was going to look. And I think what I realized after the election was that I know there is more that you and I could have done, mm -hmm. meaning that there's always more, right? But I feel really good about and, and not good about anything we put out there. Like this is not about looking for feedback from you guys, but internally I feel good about that I became clear about who I am and what I believe in. I think I used to straddle a fence a lot more before this experience. I think I used to really not want to piss people off and want to walk both sides and want to make people feel comfortable in my presence and allow myself to be a chameleon so other people could be comfortable. And I think what has changed is that while I still want people to be comfortable in my presence because I feel like I am, you know, can be accepting and understanding and I'll always listen, I'm very clear about who I am and what I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, I still read and learn and listen to other perspectives, but I know what matters. I know those bottom line things, equality, um, truth, um, justice, uh, rights for all people, um, you know, listening to other people's stories and learning from their stories, you know, systemic racism. And, you know, I've learned so much in the last year mm -hmm. about myself and what I used to think and what I know now. Um, you know, I have listened to other people's stories about maybe why they voted for Trump and, and I hear them. But I also think that the experience that I've had is people's, again, my perspective, people's loves are out of order, mm -hmm. you know, using David Brooks's uh, information about what develops character. And people are, some people are willing to get certain needs met, even though there's no character or truth or justice or equality, but as long as they get needs met down on the continuum, they're fine with those things. And and that is kind of just putting in order what you believe is most important. Mm -hmm. And while I don't look at any politician and think this person's perfect, that we're never going to find that everybody. That doesn't exist. Even with Obama, as much as I love him and it was a great eight years, obviously there were challenges, right? Sure. It's not about finding a perfect person. It's about what order are these things going to go in? And if we're going to decide that truth doesn't matter, if we're going to decide that making up things is okay as long as we get our way, um, if we're going to decide that, you know, calling people names and that, you know, shouting down others and and being willing to harm somebody by what we're tweeting, we're okay with that, then that's a problem. So I feel like maybe an easy way of explaining this idea is um, one of my friends got on a group chat and he's like, I have not been much of an advocate mm. for himself, for equality, for all these things. And he's like, I'm embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a part of me that wanted to 
save him from himself and and give my mother Teresa quote, which mm-hmm. is, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful quote. Sure. And I feel, I feel like it's a both and. Like, if the best thing you can do is go home and raise your children in the best way that you can... That will make an impact. That will make an impact. And can you also question why you're not standing up for equality right more overtly yes so it's a both and but i find myself personally trying to hero these guys and protect them from themselves and i also project some of my own inadequacies on my friend's share because i do feel proud in the way i showed up in the last four years about fighting for equality there's a million other things that i could have done that i chose not to do me too so it's just you know once again it's always about the both and and i just wanted to frame it that way as maybe moving in a continuing the conversation yeah i hear that and we you and i kind of discussed that is that it's i think that the way that we kind of assess ourselves, because as I said at the beginning, it's not like this is all over. Things, you know, it's not like, okay, how do I assess this? And, you know, we won and it's done. We're still moving on. We're still, we, there's still things to do. But I think that right now we could take a moment and say, how do I feel like I showed up in the last four years? And I think showing up is not just a, it, part of it is the activism. Like one thing on Tuesday night, we kind of weren't sure how this was going to go down. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of you felt the same way. And and my daughters and I were kind of getting emotionally prepared for the fact that it may not go down in the way we wanted it to. And and one thing that we cho- we we said in the midst of our uncertainty and 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 fear was, no matter what, we're activists for life. Mm-hmm. Like this is not over. Like I'm an activist for life. And whatever that looks like, if that's you know writing about things, if that's talking about it on the show, if that's showing up at marches, if that's being a good listener, a good therapist, like I am going to speak up as I always have as a social worker, but now it's much more, I'm not riding the fence as much as Mm -hmm. I used to. (laughs) It's basically what I, you know, and so we are activists for life and that's a good thing to know. And I think when we look back at anybody listening, like, how do you feel about how you managed these years? And not just about maybe going to a march, but did you maintain a sense of stability? Um, did you maintain a And I don't mean stability like you didn't lose your job. I mean, like internal, like you were still able to, um, you know, did you- see some light at the end of the tunnel or speak to people with some kindness and, you know, continue to see some good in the world. Well, and what I would add is, is did, did you look at it, the situation with clarity or did you bury your head in the sand? And mm-hmm. there's a part of me that sometimes acted with clarity and advocated for what I think I believe in. And there's other times where I absolutely buried my head in the sand. So that's the questioning that I want to continue to cultivate in myself. And, you know, that's a lot what I've learned about systemic racism is that there are times that all of us want to bury our heads in the sand. And then I, you know, speak with African-American women who are like, oh, we don't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. We don't get to do that because this is literally our survival or, you know, Native American women or um, Latinx women or, you know, different communities who are like, we don't get to just go on and say, well, I'm privileged enough that I'll be fine no matter what. And that's the awareness of, that's compassion, having understanding and going beyond compassion, realizing that, you know, and this becomes cliche, but until we're all free, until we all have a sense of groundedness, are any of us free? Because mm-hmm. it can be taken away. We What I've experienced in the last four or five years is that nothing's certain. So you have to wake up every day and have a decision about how you are going to live. Like I knew that before 
from having health scares or loss or pain or, you know, where you're like, wow, nothing is guaranteed. So I'm going to live in the present. And that's a very mindful way to live. And then there's the expanded view of that is even in our own country, our democracy is not as much as that's what we're built on, mm-hmm. we have watched how it's not always guaranteed. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, we we thought, oh, this could never happen, and it did, and it did, and then it did. It happened over and over again. So we have to be willing to be active participants. Well, and it's interesting because this is kind of similar to the discussion that you and I had on our walk on Sunday or whenever that was. It's once again, it's a both and because yes. like, is your voice being heard? And can you understand that people evolve at their own pace? Right. That's important. And it's really, really tricky because my ego is like, well, I'm doing this fighting for equality, gender, gender equality, race equality. Why aren't you? Right. And all of a sudden my ego gets in the way while at the same, you know, it's just very nuanced. Like, can I be okay with a friend of mine who wants to, and I'm not thinking about anybody specifically, but not evolve for in a way that I think human nature ought to evolve. Or not participate or not notice or be curious about what's going on or to just lay back on the privilege and say, yeah. well, I don't really need to worry about this. Therefore, it's non, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah. And that's not true. And, and, and worry, I don't like that word because again, worry does pretend to be necessary. It's not always needed, but it is, it's not about sitting around worrying about it. It's recognizing what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's paying attention. There's mindfulness. You can use mindfulness also to notice what a reality is. Sure. You know, it's not just about, mindfulness is not just about sitting in the lotus position and being peaceful. That's, that's a part of it. But paying attention is also like, this is happening. This is a real thing that we need to speak up about. And and I think that you're right is, that was a good thing that we, um uh, Rob Bell said that on his podcast a while ago, years ago, and Todd and I really latched on to that language because, like Todd said, I can get very judgmental about people, people, you know, friends, acquaintances, people I see who don't say anything, mm-hmm. who pretend things aren't happening and say things like, oh, well, politics, things are on both sides. And they get very flippant about, I'm not, I have, they have too many things going on in their life to worry. And while I understand that, because we all have times where we have to just focus on our own business, Mm. right? You and I have had times over the last four years where we've had to put down anything that maybe resembles activism so we could take care of our own. And there is a reality in that. Well, and we had the conversation where some of, you know, some of our teachings, some of our teachers, it's all about mindfulness and self-awareness. Right. And that's it's kind of hard to get to step two without step one. Correct. So step one is self-awareness, mindfulness. But if you stop there, or no, let me use an I statement. If I stop there, then I'm not being the person that I was put here to be. Like, you know, Todd and I did all these shows about spiritual bypassing and about how sometimes when it comes to what's going on in the world, um, especially injustice, we can jump over what's really happening and just say, well, I'm just a mindful, peaceful person and love and light and, you know, goodness always prevails and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, all things I believe in. But there's this jumping over the truth and reality of the moment is that Part of the reason that I like talking about standing on solid ground or building a foundation is part of that foundation is the truth of the moment and that you can believe in love and light and light at the end of the tunnel. But if you're jumping to that without the realization, like I'll go back to what you said, self-awareness is 
I think step one, phase one, it's what we always have to go back to where you have to be curious about why you do and say what you do. But it's not just because it's interesting and because you're so interesting. Mm -hmm. It's because once you do that, then you can have clarity about what you need to do next. It's like if you stop at step one, nothing changes. Like so many people come into my office or talk to me on the phone now on Zoom, and they'll tell me all about who they are. They'll tell me their Enneagram number. They'll tell me why they do what they do. They'll tell me about their childhood. But then they keep repeating the same patterns. So I'm interested in who you are. But if all you're going to do is tell me about who you are, but you're not going to change anything, you're not going to put anything new into practice, that doesn't change the world. So that's why self-awareness is only the piece and even though Todd and I, why we make that the centerpiece of Zen parenting is nothing happens until that happens. Right. I mean, things can happen, but they may not happen in the best, healthiest way. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. It, no. Yeah. There's things that go sideways unless you're doing your own work on yourself first. And, you know, I make a judgment that sometimes I just stop at the self-awareness piece. No, you don't. No, of course I do. There's some times where I stop there. I'm like, this sometimes, is... Sometimes, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's, I'm not saying that encapsulate who I am. Right. But, you know, it's just very easy for me to spiritual spiritual bypass everything. You know, the universe was created 13.8 billion years ago. We're all going to die anyways. Who cares? Nothing matters. Like, that's that's all like, can't we just love one another? Like, all all true statements. But if I just kind of throw my hands up in the air and stop there, then... My my judgment of this world we live in is we are here as human beings to evolve, mm-hmm. evolve ourselves, evolve each other, support each other. And I think a lot of times I stop with self. And now I think, you know, I just Googled Buddhist activism. Like, you know, when I think of Buddhists, I think of some guy or girl who just sits on a mountaintop in Lotus and there's something called Buddhist activism. Like, all right, how are you going to take all the mindfulness that you just cultivated and act from that place without attachment to the outcome and just do it because it's the right thing to do. Right. Like you can, everybody, we can walk around and be like, wow, I feel so peaceful inside. And that's fantastic. But how are then you sharing that and connecting with people based on that? And how are you supporting your children and learning that? And how are you going out into the world and practicing that when you're meeting people? And and how are you utilizing that inner peacefulness to make something better. Mm-hmm. And and it's not and then the next phase is then how do you learn from other people where you can continue to evolve because you're never done. Right. Like you can get to a peaceful place and then maybe the next day your your meditation practice is horrible. Like then you you know you wake up and you're doing your meditation and you're like, "Wow, I'm just making lists and I'm just talking thinking about goals and it wasn't that peaceful." And so, how can I do different things then to if it be talk to people, connect to people, go out there and help people, um, and then that'll help me find peace. Like it's not this is life and self awareness and connection is a ongoing practice, and it is. I think that one thing that we love as I don't know if it's just our country or just human beings is we love like, here's what I need to do. And here's how I get success. We like this linear continuum where it's like, you know, oh, I need to get my kid in the best preschool and then the best high school and then the best college. And then they get a job and they get married and then they have kids and then everyone's happy. And we all know that that's not the way that life works. Like one of my, um, 
Did we do sailboats? Did we talk about sailboats on this? I don't remember. One of the um, Zen parenting moment that I shared, I think it was last week, last Monday, it was called Sailboats. And it's about how author Barbara Brown Taylor talked about how life is not like a, a straight path. Mm. Life is not like, you know, zero to 60 or from, you know, like driving a car from one space to another. I think she used a train. That was it. Taking a train from one station to the other. It's more like a sailboat mm. where you set out onto the ocean and you go out with a, a plan and a goal, but you come back with a story <laughs> because when you're on the ocean, anything can happen. It's not one way. There's not a road. There's not stoplights. You're out in the middle of it. And that's what we're doing right now is that we can have a plan and hopefully we have good tools and good navigation equipment and good a good team on the boat. And hopefully we have a good sail and good weather. Those are all wonderful things, but we can't account for everything. And so we have to wake up every day and realize that we're we have to do our work and then we have to stay open to new ideas and that we have to show up for other people and and also appreciate being on that boat, which is just the idea that I get to be on this sailboat is amazing. And, you know, like I'm, you know, my head's tingling right now because the challenge that we've all experienced and we're continuing to experience, it, it can feel overwhelming. And then you have victories big and small. And you're like, wow, this is what it means to be alive. Well, let's go back to where we started. <clears throat> John Keating, the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That's right. Now, if when I was talking about, you know, if I stop at self-awareness or if I stop at just negotiating my own relationship with myself and I don't try to support others, change the world, make it a better place, the quote would be, the powerful play goes on and you get to look at yourself. <laughs> but contribute a verse to me says... Do something with that. So that's kind of where I am. And that do something is usually a creative act of some kind Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, an an artistic act. And again, artistic just means developing something that comes from you personally. And that can be a way of of communicating or the way you dance or the way you talk or the podcast that you put on um, or the, you know, the, the, the shop that you open, the store that you open, the restaurant that you have, the the catering business. <laughs> you know, all of us have all this. What do we do with what we have inside of us? How do we put it out there? And do we take what we have inside of us and dump it on people in a negative way? Like I feel a lot of pain, so you're going to feel a lot of pain, which is what I believe our our current leader, um, you know, forty five does. Mm-hmm. Um, is I feel pain and therefore I'm going to create pain for other people. And he may use different words, but that's really what it is. Mm. And, or are we like, yeah, I do feel pain because I do, but I'm going to be curious about it and be self-aware about it and do my best with the tools that I have and then show up in that way in the world. That's the verse that I would like to contribute. Like, you know, when it comes to the end, like Zen Parenting Radio, you know what dad, or dad, your dad, Todd and I, have decided about Zen Parenting Radio is that this is for our girls because when our girls are older and they have their own children, um, maybe even past that when you and I are not here, our kids will have this. Yeah, They'll be like, wow, we got a lot of mom and dad to listen to. Now, if in that time other people enjoy the show, get something out of it, we get to support you, we get to meet you, we get to learn about you, we get to be inspired by you, that's just icing. Mm-hmm. But when we started the show, it was for 
us, for our relationship, so we could talk, and it was for our girls. Yeah. And so if the if what I contribute, if the verse that I contribute is to help my girls continue to go on, like the Mother Teresa thing, yeah. then that's wonderful. But if that verse that we contribute also helps other people more supported, amazing. Yeah. But this is what, you know... Well, and and <clears throat> keep in mind, when Kath and I go to our basement and, and sit in front of microphones, for us, it's not much effort, if any. No. Like, we enjoy doing this. And, you know, I, I'm not about to get on a tangent of what the differences, differences between work and play, but if, if we can do some things that make us come alive, doing this podcast makes Kathy and I come alive. So anybody who's listening to this... Figure out what makes you come alive and do that instead of doing the things that you think you should do. And it may not be your work. I feel like we're going back in time here to like, you know, understanding the difference between the, you know, a passionate experience and a work experience. You don't have to have one passion. You can have many different passions. I don't, I'm not even going to use that word. Just things you enjoy, mm. things you're curious about. Do it. It may not result in you being famous. It may not even result in money. But did it feel good to do it? Did you feel like this is enjoyable? Like, I get as much joy, <laughs> you guys are going to be like, whatever, out of watching butter or cocoons become butterflies, like watching caterpillars. I get joy out of feeding my rabbit. I get joy out of presenting in front of people. I get joy out of um, going for walks, uh, listening to podcasts about movies that I love. And so I'm going to do those things. Not all of them are going to pay me money. I'd like to have a goat, Todd. Todd's not on board with the goat. No, better goat, 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 goat. No, I'm not on board with a goat or a chicken or a turkey or whatever else you got cooking. I would like, to, I don't want a chicken. You always offer me the chicken. I don't <laughs> want a chicken. I would like a goat. I would like to have an alpaca in the backyard. And you're like, you would never take care of them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You would totally take care of yes. them. I just don't want to. I, you don't have to, though. Good. I won't have to do anything at all. You will be so in love with that alpaca and goat. You will. You didn't want to get a rabbit. And who sits with the rabbit more than anybody? I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is that rabbit loves me more than anybody. Well, point taken. And the fish? I The fish loves yeah, me I, more. Yeah, I, I have no relationship with Ned the head. <laughs> Ned. Ned's our fish. Needle knows Ned. Um, one thing that makes me come alive is um, obviously this podcast and coaching guys, um, but this men's group. So I do want to promote something tomorrow night. The men's group is doing a workshop and the title of it is The Missing Link of Leadership. Oh, interesting. Can you guess what it is? Empathy? That's exactly right. Oh, nice. So empathy in your family, empathy in your community, empathy in your job. If there's any men out there listening, we would love for you to join us. Go to tribemensgroup.org and sign up for the workshop. It's going to be off the hook. Well, there are many things that make me come alive, many of which I already just stated. Um, but one thing that I really love is writing, right? So, you know, I have a book coming out, but not till later into 2021. So for now, if you enjoy this show um, and you like hearing what we talk about, go to zenparentingradio.com and you'll see at the top, it says Zen Parenting Moment. Click here to subscribe. Just subscribe because you'll get a free um you know, essay that I write on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday just comes to your inbox. Um, you don't have to do it's free. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to do anything. There's no, you just read it. Mm. And I started sharing them because I felt like everything that was in my email was kind of like negative or scary or something I had to do. So this is a way to maybe inspire you. 
Um, so that's what I love to do. Um, and then uh, two other things uh, before I talk about AVID. Uh, the tribe has a separation divorce support group tonight. And then Thursday, every Thursday, there's an intentional movement uh, featuring my friend Charlie Rogers. And it's um, it's an exercise class, but it's an intentional one that's pretty awesome. So if there's any guys out there that are interested in that, that's also at tribemensgroup.org. Can I offer one more thing? Sure. One thing that I wrote down for today that I didn't get to say because we just kind of went in different places is right now, now that we've got, we're standing on solid ground or many of us feel like we are and we're rebuilding this foundation, bring some beauty to it. Um, plant some flowers. And I know it's winter and, and I mean plant some flowers metaphorically. Mm. I mean it like for those of you who are in warm climates, really plant some flowers or maybe plant a tree or something. But for those of you who are in you know colder climates, plant some ideas, you know, start some new things. Do get back to your knitting, get back to your drawing, get back to things that if you weren't doing them already that you love, like plant some flowers for yourself so we can fill the world back up with beauty because it's felt a little scorched earth lately. Yeah. Um, and we need it, it literally meaning because of hurricanes and fires and also because of emotions and leadership and we need to bring some beauty back and we all need to play a role in that we can't just look at one leader and say they need to bring the beauty back we mm. all need to bring it back I, on my vision board in my bedroom i have this quote that i wanted to end with and i love it and i looked at it every day for the last four years i never took it down and it says sing while filled with our dreams and our troubles sing boom that's it um, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Uh, go to avidcode.net. And, um, oh, you know what? what? I have a talk at Nazareth tonight. It's oh. free. Go to zenparentingradio.com and go to events, and it's a free virtual discussion. Do you have so. it tonight? I thought it was during oh, the day. it's at noon. So yeah. if you're listening in the morning, this in the morning. If you're listening anytime before noon central today on Tuesday, November 10th, you can go to it and it's free. It's dealing with uncertainty. And is it on the events page? Yes, I put Z it on the CPR? events. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, keep drugging. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing Podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidcode.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.